Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome to this Thursday episode of Live Mike. An unfortunately special episode today as we look to pick up the pieces of what transpired yesterday in our nation's capital. And, not to sound too flowery in language, but uh, also something that took place in all of our hearts. We were all invaded yesterday. Every one of us. The freedoms that we enjoy and the system under which we live and the government which, you know, does whatever it does, depending on your view. <clears throat> that was invaded yesterday. And today, you have to ask yourself, what's the job? What is the job of today? It is to begin an analysis of what went wrong. Some of that analysis is able to be completed very, very quickly. There was a rally down the street from the Capitol building just before the invasion took place. And, well, there was someone behind a microphone specifically the President of the United States, that stirred up some emotions and some attitudes and some boldness and some lunacy that ended up marching up the street, smashing the windows, occupying the chambers of the House and the Senate, some of the most sacred grounds uh, in this country when it comes to uh, government. And as my heart is broken today, I also know that there is a responsibility to learn and to replace my confidence in the system that allowed uh, just a few hours after uh, this event commenced for the legislators, the duly elected uh, members of the House and the Senate to return to their respective chambers and continue on with the work they set out to do. It's that act that gave me courage and optimism and confidence that we'd be able to move forward. It's also a time to learn exactly what happened, logistically, so as to never allow it to happen again. First conversation today, uh, which will be one of many uh, with Utah's elected officials, specifically those members of the federal delegation, we'll speak to uh, live about half of the delegation, and we'll hear some words delivered uh, on the Senate floor from Senator Mike Lee and Mitt Romney and others. Uh, but to kick off the conversations today, I welcome to the program Utah Congressman John Curtis, who was on hand for the action yesterday. Uh, Representative Curtis, sir, how are you? Hello, Lee. <laughs> action is is correct. Let me ask you a question right off the bat that might be a little touchy-feely, but uh, how is your heart today? (laughs) 
Well, it's broken. I think um, you've described it well uh, as you introduced us today. Um, I, there's a lot of sadness here. What, what happened yesterday has, has to just break your heart. Where were you immediately or exactly when you first heard that that the perimeter had been breached? And, and honestly, as I say those words, uh, it is it is surreal to me that it is, an, you know, they're accurate words to use when describing an event which took place in the United States Capitol. Uh, what, what were your circumstances when the perimeter was breached? Well, let me first of all disagree with you. This It is a surreal thing. Uh, those of us, and you've spent, spent plenty of time here, who are used to the Capitol, uh, know that it is a special place, know that people don't even ascend to the steps of the Capitol without permission. Um, and and the, the House floor, the Senate floor, um, you've, you've seen that. I mean, I, I couldn't even take my wife out except for special times and with, with special permission under the House floor. And we don't, we're not allowed to wear a, a coat uh, or a jacket over our suit under the House floor or a baseball cap. And that's how we view um, the specialness of this place. And um, so it's, it, it is a violation. Now, to answer your question, I was in my office. We were, uh, because of COVID, they were keeping as many of us off the floor as possible. And so I was getting ready to go over and vote uh, when everything broke loose. And, and how did word first get to you that there was uh, trouble arising? Well, uh, we were watching uh, C-SPAN, watching the House floor, and I knew the instant they came and took Nancy Pelosi off the floor that that was a very, very serious thing, that that, that was a signal that uh, if she wasn't safe, nobody else was safe. There were uh, two two uh, events that took place yesterday that uh, the first broke my heart, the second gave me courage. You heard me describe how uh, you and your colleagues, after the, the building was cleared, the U.S. Capitol was cleared uh, and it was deemed to be safe to return to business, that you did exactly that. Uh, what was the tone among members as you uh, re- resumed your duties uh, in you know, counting the votes and deciding whether or not to accept that count? Uh, I, I know you don't like using the word certify, and I'll, I'll respect that, uh, but <laughs> in, in, executing, in executing your duty uh, as a member of the House, returning to that work, what was the tone among members there? I would um, tell you there were two tones that were very important. One was normalcy, uh, that we were not uh, going to be knocked off our game, and there was a tone of of normalcy, and I think a a tone of uh, greater importance to what we do. I think um, the fact that somebody tried to stop it uh, helped everybody understand just how important it was. Uh, I want to change course here pretty dramatically. I'm just getting word that the House Sergeant at Arms, Mr. Irving, has submitted his resignation to uh, Speaker Pelosi. Is, is that an appropriate act? You know, I don't. I hadn't heard that, and I don't know enough about that. I don't know if if that's in regards to him feeling like he didn't do enough, or that he felt like he didn't have enough resources. I'm not sure. I'd, I'd like to know more about that. Yeah, and I suspect both of those are true. Yeah. Any views at all you'd like to share regarding the response by Capitol Police yesterday? Well, you know, we 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 survive every day by these good men and women, and you know, we get to know them well, especially certain ones that we see a lot. And all of us here feel like that we owe our safety to them, and so it's. I think it's it, you'll, you'll be hard pressed to find too many of us that are critical of the work they do because. We view it not as a single incident that happened yesterday, but as a day-to-day protection. And um, I think there's just a tremendous amount of respect. 
I, I, if I had to guess, I'd probably say they didn't have the resources. They weren't given the resources to protect us yesterday. If, if you think about the overwhelming nature, and you've seen the pictures, right, where they were, they were putting their their their, their bodies in, in in harm's way to protect us. Nobody's going to criticize that. But were there enough of them? Did they have the right tools? You know, those types of things. I think are fair questions. Yeah, I, you, you put you said it well. Uh, I, during my you know, short stint there uh, as a congressional aide. I got to know these individuals very well. And as individuals, they are uh, absolute uh, rock stars, uh, just wonderfully warm and protective people, 100 percent committed to the duty they're expected to fulfill. Uh, I, I think that the difficulty that you are in today and other members of Congress who know them uh, individually uh, separating uh, the acknowledgement of what I perceive to be an immense tactical failure uh, on the part of the force at large, uh, while at the same time uh, preserving the respect you have for them each as individuals. Sorting those feelings out, I think, will be key to, uh, you know, whatever changes come about in the future. I agree. And I I regret that those changes probably will mean less access. There's no way you can allow thousands and thousands and thousands of people to mingle uh, around us while we're doing our business without having that threat. And, and for decades and decades and decades, that delicate balance has worked. Um, and, uh, it, and even, you know, less protective circumstances with COVID and everything, because, you know, the, the capital's pretty well locked down to begin with. Right. But um, I, I, I regret that that's likely going to change. Yeah, I think of my own memories as a, as a close-up student years and years ago when I was in high school and all the different tours that uh, that you see marching through the halls uh, of, of Congress, folks forming memories they'll carry with them for a lifetime. The events of yesterday may make some of those memories impossible to form in the future. Be, before I let you go, sir, I, I want to ask about the, the votes that took place last night. There were two uh, objections which enjoyed support in both the House and the Senate um, uh, Arizona and Pennsylvania. Uh, you serve voting against the objection in both those cases. Uh, to your colleagues, though, uh, they, in the Pennsylvania uh, objection, voted to uh, sustain the objection. I won't ask you to weigh too much in uh, and get inside their heads at all, but let me ask you, were, were there conversations that took place amongst uh, the delegation? Was there any lobbying uh, that took place from mm-hmm. one side or the other on specifically that Pennsylvania vote? say lobbying. I think there was a tremendous respect for uh, the fact that we saw this uh, from different perspectives. And uh, I I think all four of us have tried very hard not to be critical because we saw it differently than the other two. And uh, that's the, the beauty of the delegation. We just have a lot of respect for each other. And I think it's just a really good example where two uh, thoughtful people can come down on, on a different side. And, and I know for me, there were some very strong constitutional issues. And I know for the others, there were very strong issues of, wait a minute, we, we can't let these things go unobjected. And uh, you know, who's going to argue with you one of those points, right? Yeah. Well, listen, uh, Congressman Curtis, I am uh, glad that you and your staff and uh, are all safe. And today we march on uh, with an uncertain future. Uh, there are talks of the 25th Amendment possibly being invoked, uh, impeachment, uh, or calls for resignation. Who, who knows what happens? Or maybe nothing. Maybe we just run out the clock, and then before we know it, it's January 20th. 
but whatever happens, I'm likely knocking on your door uh, pretty soon to get further reaction. Thank you, sir. All right. Thanks, Lee. All righty. Uh, we're going to take a break uh, right now. And when we return, I want to share with you some of my own thoughts. We have a jam-packed program today. I'm going to have uh, tons of interviews, including Congressman Chris Stewart, who voted to sustain the objection in the Pennsylvania case. We're going to ask him why exactly he made that choice and if he uh, feels that there was any, uh, well, any encouragement felt by those who stormed the Capitol yesterday, knowing that some members of Congress were objecting to uh, the the election results. We'll, we'll talk to him, going to ask him some tough questions. Also, we'll hear from uh, Blake Moore, one of Utah's newest congressmen. He'll share his experience later on in the program. Next up, we're talking the 25th Amendment here on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome back to Live Mike. I am Lee Lonsberry. A tough day to be a broadcaster. We are combing through some heartbreaking images, some heartbreaking realities. And on the horizon, there are some very difficult decisions to be made by elected leaders in Washington, D.C. There are talks today of the 25th Amendment. Uh, That uh, would require buy-in by Vice President Mike Pence and a majority of the president's cabinet to deem him unfit and remove him from office and install for the duration of this administration Uh, acting President Mike Pence. Is that appropriate? Lawmakers uh, and the vice president himself and the cabinet will have to decide. What do you think about that? 57500 is the Utah Community Credit Union text line. I told you that during the course of today's program, we'll speak to about half of Utah's uh, federal delegation. We've spoken with Representative Curtis thus far, and now uh, we'll move to Congressman Chris Stewart, uh, who joins us on the line. Congressman, sir, how are you? Well, uh, I've had better days like a lot of Americans, right? We woke up this morning feeling like, oh my gosh, what is happening to our country? What are we doing to ourselves? Yeah. I want to talk to you about uh, two aspects of yesterday. The first, uh, when when all heck was breaking loose, so to speak, uh, you, you and I exchanged a few text messages, and I wondered uh, from from that time of the day when you first uh, assessed that there was danger around, uh, what, what was going on on your end? What did you first observe, and what action did you take? Well, you know, it was a bit of a chaotic day, and, and uh, you know, I can't synopsize it in just a few minutes, and I'm not sure you would want to hear it all. But, I mean, uh, we've been uh, evacuated from my office building, Cannon, quite early in the day for a bomb threat. So <clears throat> I was over on the house floor. I tried to go back to my office. I couldn't make it, so I was walking back to the chamber, and about 20 policemen went running by me. Uh, it sounded like a herd of horses coming up behind me, and I, and I followed them. Uh, I wanted to... To see what what, what was going on and, and kind of observe for myself, and it, it turned out that that was about the time that they broke into the Capitol, and they ended up rushing me into a small room off the Capitol uh, House floor. Where the the interesting thing about that was that I was able to observe a lot of it because I could see through the windows, and and there were protesters uh, who were trying to bang on the windows and get through, and actually 
we heard the shot that was fired and the, and the policeman that was with us, you know, over his radio about shots fired. That just happened you know, just a few a few feet outside the door that we were barricaded behind. So it was uh, it was a memorable experience. And I, I tell you, you just, as I said, you just kind of shake your head about, uh, and look, I served in the military. I had the great blessing of working with real, real patriots. And what we saw yesterday was not patriots. This was not patriotic. There's no way in the world you can justify what we observed on the House uh, or the Capitol building that took place yesterday. Do, do you feel that the rally uh, which took place down the street on the lawn of the White House uh, and the words spoken by the president emboldened that group to take the action they did? You know, it, I don't know because I didn't hear what the president said. But and if he didn't say, go down and peacefully protest uh, and go down and accept the will of the House and the will of the Senate as they work through this process, uh, that's what he should have said. I mean, <clears throat> Uh, it was, uh, you know, look, I don't think, well, I'll just leave it at that. The president, I think, should have been more adamant than he was, uh, I, I guess, from what I've, what I've been told, because, again, I didn't hear his comments, but uh, any commander chief has a special responsibility to temper emotions, not to inflare emotions. They have a special responsibility to encourage his followers or her followers to adhere to the law, to adhere to the rule of law, to, to conduct themselves in a way that lifts and edifies the country rather than instills fear. And I'm afraid that's, that's not what we saw yesterday. Are conversations today about the 25th Amendment appropriate or inappropriate? Well, you know, I actually hadn't heard that until I, I listened to you just before I came on. I would say, on what basis are you going to do it, and how do you possibly hope to achieve that in the next week? Look, this president's going to leave office in a week uh, regardless. And, you know, my initial response would be, again, for what, what, are your, what are your charges against and How do you possibly hope to accomplish it? Do you really think you can do it in a week? And do you also think that that's going to help unite the country, or do you think it's going to further divide the country? Um, if, it, if it were the... If it were the 25th Amendment, that would be action undertaken by the first step would be the vice president and the president's cabinet. Uh, for for that, you know, Republicans uh, on that side of things, if they were to take action, uh, does that stand a better chance of holding us together than would, as Speaker Pelosi has indicated, should the 25th Amendment not be invoked, she'll move forward with articles of impeachment? Well, look, I just think the president is going to leave office in a little more than a week. There's nothing that's going to happen to this country that, 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 that we destroy ourselves. And that how, do we, how do we know that? <clears throat> to, to say that well, 24 hours don't, ago. You don't, you don't know that ever. Any president could do something. Yeah, th- this but one, is, this one has on shown a, a propensity. Wait, wait, this is important. This is important. You can't just on some speculation, well, we don't know that. Therefore, let's remove someone because of something he might do. I mean, for heaven's sakes, you could say that about virtually any leader. Well, it's not. And, uh, and, and if your point is to try to get this behind us, if your point is to try to get to a point where we can unite the people, how in the world is that, is that doing that for the people who are suggesting it? About unity. I, I know that after the, the Capitol was, the perimeter was breached and the, the marauders, the insurrectionists, however you want to phrase them, as they made their way into the Capitol uh, and you and your colleagues were evacuated from the floors of their respective chambers, conversations began uh, amongst those who had initially intended to object 
uh, and vote for those objections, uh, many individuals changed their mind, including uh, uh, Senator Loeffler of Georgia. She putting uh, a stop, a halt to the objection uh, for that state. It only was left Arizona and Pennsylvania. You voted uh, against the objection in Arizona and yet voted for the objection in Pennsylvania. Uh, in terms of unity, knowing that that vote would ultimately have no bearing on the ultimate uh, outcome of the election, uh, you still chose to do it. Why did you make that decision? Because, because the facts supported that conclusion. That's why I didn't vote for Arizona, because I didn't think that there was enough evidence to suggest that the, that the uh, irregularities and the fraud in Arizona would have risen to the level of, of uh, perhaps outside of any other uh, election. That wasn't true in Pennsylvania. And, you know, look, we had this conversation, okay, what do we do to move forward now? But what happened yesterday does not in any way change the facts that happened on election day or, or a time surrounding that election. So you might have had some people just kind of throw their hands up in there and go, look, it, it's just, again, so divisive. Uh, we're probably not, uh, cer- and almost certainly not going to change the outcome. We knew that from the very beginning. It wasn't really my point. That wasn't the reason I did this, because I think you and I have discussed. Right. My point was answering these questions, giving people assurance that our that our elections are are uh, that they're they're fair and as they are represented, so that we don't break our democracy by breaking that faith. That was my only point. And the things that happened yesterday, as tragic as they were, they never changed any of those facts. So, uh, you know, those facts well, fa- not changing. How could I just say, well, okay, I'm going to change my mind on that? Well, fa- we can debate, you know, whether or not they were facts or not. Um, listen, our, our time has expired, and I, I'm sorry for that. I, I would like to continue this conversation. Uh, I am, first and foremost, 100% pleased that you and your staff and your colleagues and coworkers are all safe today. And I, uh, I hope that that safety continues and that there is nothing else like this to arise uh, over the next two weeks or ever. Uh, so, Congressman, thanks for your time. Thanks for chatting with me today. All right, that'll do it. Uh, we're going to take a break right now. When we return, uh, there's been much talk about the Capitol Police. Uh, specifically the chief of the Capitol Police and the sergeant-at-arms, who has, uh, it's been revealed by Speaker Pelosi, recently tendered his resignation. She is calling for the resignation of the police chief of the Capitol Police. Mia Love, a former congresswoman, had a very close relationship with the Capitol Police. How How does she see things today? And what were the conversations like in her home yesterday as the day was wrapping up? That's all ahead on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. Sorry about that. I stepped on our special intro there. Uh, We're continuing our reaction and response and uh, what we are learning new today about what took place yesterday and uh, what might come in terms of governmental action, be something uh, along the lines of the 25th Amendment. There are calls for the vice president and the cabinet to uh, convene and consider such an action. That uh, would be one way for President Trump to be removed from office. Now, are we just shy of, yeah, today's the 7th, the 20th is inauguration. That's 13 days. It's under under two weeks. You might be tempted to say, uh, what's the worst that could happen in, in, in 13 days? Well, yesterday morning I was saying, what's the worst that could happen in two weeks? And we answered that question. We answered that question in heartbreaking living color. 
Uh, I, I know the tone of the program thus far has been kind of gloomy. Uh, well, I, I promise you it won't all be that way. I am very much looking forward to some conversations coming up in the program, uh, in particular with Boyd Matheson. If you listen to his program today and if you uh, were able to eavesdrop on some of the conversations that he and I have been able to uh, have off air over the past 24 hours, uh, you will know that both he and I share a great optimism for the days ahead that there is great confidence that he and I share in the system of government that we have in place. It is one that has withstood great challenge in the past and will withstand this great challenge going forward into the future. But with that said, we can't just sit idly by and wait for time to pass. No, there are certain actions that must be undertaken. There are new attitudes that we must adopt. And uh, there are new tactics that must be employed, specifically uh, by the Capitol Police. The Capitol Police, as I have seen in uh, many videos, and due to the very basic fact that the floor of the House and Senate were (laughs) occupied by uh, invaders yesterday, uh, something ought to be done about that. Uh, I talked earlier with uh, Congressman John Curtis about uh, the the challenging position uh, he finds himself in, and I am sure is shared by many members of Congress, where you know these individuals personally. You know them to, as individuals, have a wonderfully warm and protective hearts, and that they would be willing to do uh, anything to protect uh, those they are charged with serving. And yet, uh, big-picture tactics were absent yesterday uh, to, to safeguard that precious building, and specifically those precious chambers of the House and Senate. Uh, to talk a little bit more about this and uh, about Capitol Police and uh, the relationships that develop between members, staff, and these law enforcement officers, former Congresswoman Mia Love joins me. Uh, Mia, how are you? Welcome to the program. How are you, Lee? I'm doing well. Um, it's it's a really uh, an odd day. It's surreal today, but uh, I'm with you and Boyd. I, I still have so much hope that our best days are still ahead because I believe in the American people and their spirit to just overcome all of our challenges. So You have had uh, u- unique experiences compared to most who were watching the television screens yesterday and seeing these events Mm -hmm. unfold. As you first caught wind of what was happening and you switched on your television and started seeing the images uh, beamed across the world from Washington, D.C., what were your first observations and thoughts as someone who had served in that very building? Uh, Okay, so really interesting. Um, I was actually on Saturday on my way to St. George because I wanted to, I was attending the inauguration of our lieutenant of our governor and lieutenant governor. And I remember reading articles about members of Congress who had joined this Um, this group to try and stop the certification of the Electoral College. And I looked over at a friend of mine who was driving and I said, this is not going to end well. Um, Because when you're when you're calling on people to stop something and really it's very difficult to stop it right at this point, um, the election needed to all of these things needed to be done before the election. So you're trying to win a race after the race has been called. Um, I knew it was going, wasn't going to end well. I really, when you are putting people up against a rock in a hard, in a hard spot, it's just, it does not end well. It's like um, trying to leash um, a, a lion who just wants, they're, they're upset, they're tired, they dealt with um, dysfunction, they dealt with COVID. I just knew it wasn't going to end well. I just didn't know. 
I, I just wasn't sure that it was going to be as bad as it was. So yes. I knew that there was going to be a problem. Uh, you, you predicted the troubles of yesterday. Is tomorrow, or I'm sorry, was yesterday the end of this, or will there be more before the 20th of January arises? Well, it depends. It depends on how many how many people saw what happened yesterday and are saying, look, we want to protect our democracy. We want to protect um, the Constitution. And obviously, there are different types of interpretations of that right now. Um, but we have to remember that, first and foremost, Congress's job is to protect life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And protesting, I said this earlier, and I'm going to say this again, I am consistent that when it comes to rioting, destroying people's property and destroying life, that's not okay. Peaceful protest is all right. Peaceful protest is actually encouraged because you need to let people know how you feel. But this young woman who ended up um, shot in the chest and dead, it's just not worth it. And you're just not, this is not just putting one person's life at risk. I mean, we were talking about Capitol Hill police. A lot of them, actually three, I still keep in touch with. Because they knew me. They knew me by my face. They knew, I mean, I, I can name them. And I had a conversation with them. One, uh, Darius, who didn't go to work yesterday. And he's just like, um, you know, I, I felt I wish I was there. I wish I was there. Um, anyway, these are these are people who get to know you and they'll do anything to, to um, protect you. And their lives are at risk also. So I just... People have to be careful because their ideas and their thoughts have consequences, and you have to weigh those out and understand that when you do something and you put people up against a wall, um, what we saw yesterday may inevitably be the outcome of, of some of those efforts. Do, do you think that uh, the, the tactical response or lack of a response by the Capitol Police, and this is no commentary against anyone individually, this is no commentary against uh, Darius or any of the uh, you know countless yeah. Capitol Police officers I got to know, was the, the, the fundamental shortcomings in the execution of tactics by the Capitol Police allowing these marauders to make their way into the Capitol. Does that warrant uh, the resignation of the the police chief and also uh, what we have learned earlier today that the sergeant of arms, Mr. Irving, has tendered his resignation? Well, that's hard to say because that's not my area of expertise, but I do know this. Um, There is a hierarchy, right? So you can't blame the Capitol Police because they're taking directions from from somebody else. Um, I do know that there is a protocol, and if it was when you are when you only have a certain amount of people, um, and you don't have the numbers that you that um, you you need to use against. I mean, if you saw, I mean, I'm sure you saw this, the amount of people that were out there. It's almost impossible for the Capitol Hill police alone to take care of all of that. So their first, I think, um, priority is to make sure that they protect the members. So they're doing everything they can. As you saw pictures of them barricading the um, the House floor, doing everything they can to make sure that members are getting to a safe place. That alone um, would pretty much take up all of their all of their efforts and time. And I think it wasn't obviously it wasn't until the National Guard was deployed that uh, everything started. They started getting control of the situation. But Capitol Hill police could not do it alone. There's no way they could have done something like that alone. Uh, former Congresswoman Mia Love, thank you for your time. Uh, there are many other questions I have for you, uh, but uh, our time has expired, <laughs> and I apologize for that. But let's look for a chance to speak again in the future here pretty soon, all right? 
Anytime, Lee. Thank you. All right. You take care. Uh, we're going to take a quick break right now. When we return, I, I promised a conversation between myself and Boyd Matheson. I have a, a fundamental question for him, and I'm anxious to hear his answer. And it is, can we endure this? Can we endure this? I believe we can. I think we have the pieces in place to do so. Uh, what does Boyd think, and why does he think that we can, in fact, endure this catastrophe? Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. Grateful to you for tuning in today as we, on this day after, maybe one of the most atrocious things I have ever witnessed transpire in Washington, D.C., or anywhere, for that matter, in this great country of ours, took place. The United States Capitol was invaded. There is no other way to say it. There was rioting. There was insurrection. Uh, there was trespassing. There was vandalism. There was loss of life. And it all happened in one of the most sacred sites uh, in this great country, certainly when it comes to uh, protecting and steering the freedoms that you and I enjoy. Now, uh, one of the things, one of the features of yesterday's events is that it was on a scale so massive that it transcends politics. I know today that many of the talking head types are coming together and are attempting to insert politics into this conversation, especially after some political votes were cast just last night after this sacred building was made clear by Capitol Police and National Guards and the other uh, law enforcement jurisdictions that aided in the protection of the building and ultimately uh, wrestling control back from those who would take it away. But what happened last night has divided us profoundly. And that division will grow into a gaping cavern. Unless, unless we, as we're advised by Boyd Matheson just a few segments earlier, uh, we need to take some courage, we need to take care, take heart, and take action. And that sometimes is speaking to those with whom you have enjoyed great friendships for many, many years, uh, speaking some truth to them and being willing to hear it from those you love. I digress. Earlier in the day, you heard on uh, Dave and Debbie's program a conversation with one of Utah's two newest members of Congress, Blake Moore, Representative Moore, uh, who represents Utah's first congressional district, replacing uh, Rob Bishop, who announced his retirement and uh, didn't seek reelection. And uh, Congressman Moore uh, joins me back on the line to continue a, a conversation that he started describing uh, the, the harrowing experience that he had. And I was particularly touched. Uh, Congressman, remind us uh, of uh, some of the phone calls that went out and some of the actions that were taken in protecting your own family. Uh, Thank you, Lee. Uh, And yes, it's great to be past hump day for my first week on onboarding. Um, Yeah, what what I want, what what I I don't want to overly dramatize anything. That particular experience, though, was really great to just know, like, folks can be so proactive um you, you don't know what's what's you know happening and so you take precautions and uh just governor cox and Derek brown who i'd spoken to just you know hours earlier uh you know connected with local police just to make sure everything nothing escalated right you don't know right sure. i mean they they, they 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 protested and got onto the house floor they were obviously frustrated with lawmakers um yeah. i knew where you know, I was on this issue and how coordinated is everything. So it's way not, you know, we're in Utah, we're an amazing place, but it's just, just really nice to know, like people are willing to, you know, jump in and 
and you know be thoughtful and proactive. One hundred percent. And and precautions of that level are certainly not inappropriate. When you think uh, back, let's say thirty hours ago, no one could have imagined. No one would have imagined in their right mind uh, that some uh, shirtless and tattooed, horn-wearing individual would make their way onto the floor of the United States Senate, uh, posing for pictures in the chair typically occupied either by uh, the Speaker on the House side or the President of the Senate on the Senate side. Uh, (laughs) Unprecedented events uh, certainly, certainly warrant unprecedented and uh, otherwise uh, strange precautions. So uh, (laughs) no one's going to disparage those great actions. Talk to me about today. What what is today like? Um, You obviously got to bed really late. I wanted to stay through the whole process and and experience what, what was on. I was proud of our colleagues for going back in, finishing up. Uh, what what had started and 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 getting done with that process. Um, so I was able to get a few hours of sleep. Woke up and my team was ready to go. I I just I'm so excited to work with the team that we have. They you know many of them are this is a new job for them. They haven't worked in the house uh, house side before. Um, we didn't have we haven't had time to gel. We got a little time yesterday that we didn't expect to really bond. Right <laughs> when yeah. we're barrack- when we're you know locked in our our office. We got a chance to, to gel a little bit and have, and we'll look at that as a positive experience, right? You always try to take those. But right when we woke up, hey, we've got this. You know, here's some talking points. We need to get scheduling next week. I can tell you this. I'm really, really glad next week is a district work week, um, and I'm going to go on Hill Air Force Base next week and go. We have, you know, a public lands meeting and going to go to Ogden office and kind of be able to meet and be in person with some of the team there. I'm uh, really looking forward to a district work week next week. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Uh, D- district work p- uh, week, for those who don't know, uh, you've heard the term recessed used for years and years and years. There was an effort some time ago to kind of rebrand the time when members of Congress go back home to their districts. Uh, not necessarily a, re- a recess, but rather a time where the work day is spent uh, interacting uh, with stakeholders and constituents within the district. So district work period means uh, the members of Congress are back on home turf. Uh, let me ask you a question. You mentioned Hill Air Force Base and public lands. Uh, any sense of committee assignments quite yet? We were really hopeful that they were going to have steering meetings today and tomorrow. We even got word on um, Tuesday night that that was likely. And, yeah, not it's uh, probably not till after inauguration now. Those decisions. So, no word. I yeah. got you. Uh, well, best of luck there. You know, I, I'm, I'm hoping you get what you're after and, and you get what's good for Utah. Uh, there have been discussions today about the 25th Amendment, specifically the fourth section of the 25th Amendment. Uh, I'm sure you have heard talk about this, maybe even in your own office. Uh, but the the way the process goes, it's uh, a process initiated by the vice president. Uh, to continue that process, it requires a majority of the uh, cabinet members of the president's cabinet. Right now, there are 14 after the resignation of uh, Secretary Chow, of the Transportation Secretary. Uh, one one question that's still kind of unanswered, and I don't know this, and it may come down to the courts, is can an, active, an acting secretary uh, vote? Anyway, that's a conversation for another day. Now, at that stage, if those two parties, both uh, the the majority of the cabinet and the vice president, if they're in agreement, the president is removed from office. He then, though, has an opportunity to challenge uh, by sending a letter to the the House and the Senate. It then requires a supermajority. What would you predict? What do you predict the outcome of that scenario to be? And I know this is a a super hypothetical and it's it's honestly unfair of me to ask it. But getting down that uh, far down the road is when you have a decision to make. Is it appropriate to talk about the 25th Amendment today? You know, this is the question that I keep getting is where do we go from here? 
And, you know, where we go from here is having Vice President Pence just commit to being at the inauguration, a, a peaceful transfer of power. That's what we need to have happen here. And I, I, and I'm, I don't think I'm overly hopeful, overly optimistic that if we having that will help us really move forward. Um, and so I, in that scenario, did you say it was a supermajority that would need to, yeah, to two, have two, two, thir- two thirds? Two thirds in both the House and the Senate to, for Pence to retain uh, the presidency. Yeah, I would I would hope that we, we doesn't have to get to that point, um, that that could be a sign that Democrats and Republicans could say, hey, hey look, um, let's just let's move forward. But, it, you know, it's it's it's. Vice President Pence is, I think, by saying I'm going to be at inauguration, I think it's sort of hinted that we're not going down that path. And, and, I, and I would be hopeful that we can just shore up the concept, you know, and making sure that we have a peaceful transfer of power. And then that never comes into question again. That should never be a question in people's minds. And, um, and, I, and, I, and I don't think we're going to have to, to worry about that. It, it is terrifying. And it, it makes me incredibly uncomfortable to talk about these extremes. But we saw extreme yesterday. And, you know, yeah. sometimes extreme reaction uh, is appropriate when you are a witness to extreme action. Uh, we'll have to see. So there's uh, two, go ahead. There was two things that really frustrated me yesterday, right? Like the tweet that President Trump did about um, Vice President Pence, mm. like calling him out for doing his job. Like that really frustrated me, um, you know, condemn that. His, and then his video that he did right after the Capitol was just overtaken, right? Like to, to make the first comment about election fraud and that type of stuff infuriated me. Um, and But I think we're going to be able to, to move past that, and he's committed to to that peaceful transfer, and let's just move, let's just move forward. I, I sure hope you're right. Uh, but I had the same observation when that video uh, came out as uh, as I was sitting right here in this seat looking at the timestamp, looking at how long the video lasted and how much time he spent on, uh, you know, kind of doubling down on these claims of fraud and a stolen election and allotting, what, like 5% of his spoken time there to, uh, and go home, guys, go home, be peaceful, go home. Uh, yeah, that, that was yeah. unacceptable, unacceptable. Uh, and, and heartbreaking. Uh, Congressman Moore, uh, time has expired, and I apologize for that. Uh, let's pick up this conversation again sometime soon. I wish you the very best. I'm glad that you, yours, and the country uh, is safe today. Thank you. You're great. Thank you, Lee. All righty. Uh, we're going to take a quick break right now. Uh, natural question uh, you might be asking yourself over the past 24 hours, how is the rest of the world looking at us? As events transpired in the United States Capitol yesterday, with the rest of the world looking on. How are they responding, and what does it mean for the future? We'll speak with Miles Hansen, president and CEO of World Trade Center Utah, next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.